No playing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to D20 Dudes, the tabletop role-playing podcast where the die decides our topic. I am Dylan. And you have my axe! I'm trying to trying to think of something clever here, but I got nothing. Anyway, today we're going to talk about J.R.R. Tolkien's influence on tabletop RPGs. Word. Yes. What is an orc? From what I've come to understand, it is a horrifyingly corrupted elf who's been subjected to all manner of torture until his spirit and body were so twisted and disgustified that he was no longer elf. He was orc. He was a thing of Sauron's darkness. What does an orc look like, word? Uh, kind of a gross, ugly, deformed, and much less pale-toned elf. Doesn't really look like an elf all that much anymore. What if I told you you're fucking wrong? Eh, not the first time for that. What if I told you that an orc is a pig man? Wait, you mean according to Tolkien or according no. to... What, what if I told you that the original orc was a pig man? Oh, you mean like back in the concept stages? Word. At what point was this a thing? I want to know. What's a kobold? T- describe a kobold to me. He's a lizard boy. What if I told you that's fucking wrong? Oh. Uh, I mean, in kobold care, you... they're like lizards who are doing... <laughs> showing each other how love happens. What if I told you that a kobold is like a, a little dog creature? Little dog man. You know, I, I would be willing to accept it. They're close what enough. What if I told you that kobold is just German for goblin, damn it? Well, now it's just seeming like a roundabout story here. Because <laughs> an orc is J- kind of like an overgrown goblin. J.R.R. Tolkien. Well, I'm not going to say he invented a lot of the concepts that we have in tabletop today, where we have like orcs are big and green and angry and dumb. And kobolds are like lizard people. Because there's not even any kobolds in Lord of the Rings, I don't think. Kill the halfling! Yeah. Don't at me. But if you go back into the the olden days of Dungeons and Dragons, like like first edition and like advanced D&D and like second edition, stuff like that. A lot of the monsters that you would see there are very different than what they are today. Kobolds are, are dog people. Uh, goblins are a lot more of like the traditional folklore goblins instead of like these little green angry fucks. Uh, Orcs are big old pigmen. And this is the way that a lot of these creatures have been described throughout folklore all across like Scandinavia and like Western Europe and parts of like Eastern Europe and stuff like that. And J.R.R. Tolkien in his writing of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings created kind of these ideas of what monsters are, what orcs are, what goblins are, uh, what a hobbit is, which is like a little halfling man. But, you know, he didn't call them halflings. He called them hobbits. He made them kind of his own things. He had his own ideas for what an elf was. Because you know what an elf is back in the olden times? Something different than what it was in the later times. It's about 8 billion different things. There's All a kinds lot of, di- of interpretations with elves. Yeah, elves, elves are like, depending on where you go in the world, an elf is any number of different things. Where like, sometimes they're a kind of fairy, sometimes they're like a little house spirit. Like, sometimes, elves are this whole crazy thing like, that can be like, it really just depends on where you go. Sometimes they're akin to like lawn gnomes or some crap. Yeah. It's wild. And 
and like even dwarves and things of that nature are very different, like depending on what kind of um, regional interpretations you have. And then you have things like Lord of the Rings, where Tolkien, he wrote these things to be his um, kind of his own version of folklore, because you have England and the English people aren't known for being the most creative, especially way back when. And they didn't have a whole lot of their own folklore. A lot of the stuff that they had was kind of taken from places where they had like either visited or traded with and conquered. And they, they really didn't have a whole lot of stuff that they had made their own. And Tolkien really wanted his country to have kind of its own mythology, even if it was just a fabricated mythology he made for it. And in writing The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, like he made such a hit. Those books, banger. Absolutely love Lord of the Rings. That's like you can. Okay. The books and the movies are different and not just in some of their interpretations, but like, holy, holy shit, man. Like it'll go in, in the books and like somewhere in the movies will be like the Hobbit is eating a sandwich in the movie. And in the book, there's like a three paragraph explanation about the, the creation of the sandwich and how the Hobbit feels about eating it. It's like, holy <laughs> shit, man. So like the books can be a bit hard to read, but like the stuff that you get out of them and like the, the way that these characters interact and like the way that the world has been made. And you, even without reading the Silmarillion, you can Ooh. go into the into the Hobbit, into the Lord of the Rings, and you can tell that there it's not just like I'm making this world up to be a set piece for the adventure. You can tell that he crafted this entire world. He made a history. There are events that happened so far in the past that people in the books, in the Lord of the Rings, would not even know of them. They would have no idea what the hell was going on in those events, but they affect what's going on in the events of the book. And so in this way, Tolkien has been a huge influence in the way people will write books and people will write these settings for tabletop RPGs. Like he does, he didn't only change like, here's what an orc is and here's what a goblin is and here's what an elf is, but he changed kind of the approach that a lot of writers take to writing. And that in turn, since that is kind of the paradigm people have to writing, and a lot of people see tabletop RPGs as basically a way to participate in a novel, they've changed the way that those things came out on the tabletop. And that's why if you go back um, anywhere before third edition of D&D, all these creatures and all these monsters and the way that the worlds were written are entirely different. And then from third edition 3.5 and onward, Everything's just so much different, almost just to be unrecognizable. This might not be exactly on topic, but do you feel like that's for the better? Or what's your personal take on that? So it really, it's going to be like a personal preference because the way Gary Gygax made the game, um, Kof Kof made the game, and um, the way that he would run things was, of course, very different than the way people do things now. Because while there was a role-playing aspect to it, Gygaxian Dungeons and Dragons is a lot more based on the mechanics and how those things kind of work. Uh, and as a result, you'll you'll get people who do like Dungeons and Dragons and AD&D and that kind of stuff a lot better because it is focused on the math and the numbers and like being the best at those math numbers. Whereas the changes from 3.5 onward is even with 3.5 like being still pretty math heavy honestly with like the way the skill checks and stuff worked it encouraged a lot more of that world building 
and you've been seeing it a lot more lately where games are built not solely around the mechanics and having a world to fit the mechanics, but having a lot of systems coming out that are about the role playing and interacting with the world that your GM has created and encouraging that role play, which is something that is definitely my preference. I, I in fact, love systems that encourage role play over everything else, just because that's what I, I enjoy doing out of the game. I am inclined to agree. I've never been one for real mechanics heavy type play in a, you know, in a fantasy setting. And it's very interesting. Like we could go into this, like in, so Tolkien did influence a lot of things. And, and honestly, we could spend the whole time talking about specifically his influences. We could honestly go into like other books and other writers who have influenced a lot of this stuff. Cause like in this same vein, um, Frank Herbert and his creation of Dune also vastly changed not just like how tabletop role-playing games work, but like tabletop wargaming. Because if you read Dune, Word, have you read Dune? I have not. I'll admit. Word, if you read Dune, you're going to look at 40K completely differently. Is that how it is? Yeah, because like we've I've talked about 40K a lot on this podcast and like how much I love it. And honestly, I didn't even get through Dune until like this year. Like it was one of those things that people talk about all the time. Um, and it eventually just got to me where it's like, I want to know what the hell Dune is and who the hell's Paul Atreides. I don't know what the fuck's going on. What is a Harkonnen? And I finally like got like the first three audiobooks. I've listened through the first one and, uh, like a solid chunk of the way through the second one. And it's like, Oh, that's where 40 K came from. <laughs> and you, you do see a lot of that too. Like the, the whole God emperor thing, like, uh, the Sardaukar being very analogous to like the, the space Marines, um, the spice melange and the way that they travel through space, like being very close, like the way the psychers work. It's you can see a lot of that influence. And honestly, once you read Dune, you're going to see its influence everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And it's, it's very interesting how these, um, these incredibly popular works of literature from these big writers, like, um, you know, HR Giger, was he a writer or was he just a painter and like a movie maker? I don't know if that he, wrote anything but he was mainly um an artist i like alien and that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. alien was very unique for its time too oh yeah um, and right. that's mostly what i'm thinking of but like tolkien and uh frank herbert uh of course hp lovecraft um, my boy <laughs> and his unfortunately racist ways um and, and like orson scott card there's like so many of these big name writers um, have created these worlds and these methods of thinking and the way that they approach writing and thinking of things that have really like shifted the paradigms of not people who just write for the sake of making novels, but people who write for like RPGs and these other like types of media that require a lot of heavy work on the writing. And when you get that paradigm shift, uh, for, especially like from a novel or something of that nature that affects things so intimately like that that reaches people and really resonates that it changes and a generation's way of thinking and then you see that generational influence coming down and like changing the way that all media really um from those generations onward tends to present itself and in that way you've influenced games like dungeons and dragons has changed vastly from the way it was. If you if you've only ever played fifth edition and you go back to first edition, 
you're going to ruin your own life. You're going to hate first edition. I guarantee it. It's just such a wildly different game. Uh, and if you go back, you can kind of see some of these incremental changes until you get to fourth edition where they just completely jumped the shark and everything got fucky. But now even fifth edition, they do tend to, to incentivize not just building the best character and being the best rogue or being the best fighter, but like you've got these points of inspiration that are really meant there to be there to encourage you to kind of think outside of the box, to make up a character that's fun and interesting, to have a world that's engaging, and then to engage with it and to be rewarded for doing that. And because of that, you then have games and systems that see that rewarding good role play is a very positive aspect of these systems. And so you have systems that then take that sometimes to extremes where you have games like Tenra or Blades in the Dark where good role play is literally how you level up. It's not even a mechanically based thing. It's how you play your character determines if you get to advance or not. I find it all very, it's very interesting. Like I'm going to admit that a lot of these things that I read, like a lot of these books and novels that I've come to, um, honestly pretty like late into my 20s and into like now I'm in my early early 30s it's so strange to have heard so much about these things and been like at some point in my life it's like, oh, I'm not interested I'd rather play video games or whatever and then to finally go and read them and to see like my dad's a huge Lord of the Rings fan my dad loves Lord of the Rings awesome. like I yeah dude my dad's dope um there came a point where I was literally like dad um What's the Silmarillion? Do you, like, what is that about? And he's like, oh, I've got an old, I've got a copy. I'll send it to you. <laughs> and he just sent me the Silmarillion. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, just like, yes, my son likes Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Such a cool thing. And like getting into that and then like reading Lord of the Rings and like listening to the audiobook of Dune. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to listen to Ender's Game. Like, I've, I've been really on the fence of that, of that because uh, I've heard Orson Scott Card's not really the nicest man. Yeah. Can you then you enter a whole territory of like the artist versus the artist's work? Yeah, there's separating the art from the artist, which is something I I genuinely try to condone. Like, you you don't want to have something that is culturally significant be just negated by the fact that the the writer is a piece of shit, maybe. Yeah. Um, and and my opinion's been a little back and forth on that lately because like. We did that episode on my frog a while back and I'm kind of at a point where like I kind of I'm going to leave it up because I'm of the opinion that if you make something you don't like, you still need to make it visible so that you can see the mistakes that you made and improve upon them. That's admirable. But I'm at a point like maybe I shouldn't have covered my frog because the more I learned about Varg Vikernes, the guy who made it, it's like, wow, that man's really just a piece of shit, isn't he? Oh, man. And then the more I read through the book and got through the setting and I kind of realized like, oh, it's not as sexist as people say it is. But then like I get through the rest of the book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's kind of as sexist as people say it is. <laughs> I'm not necessarily happy with the way that came. If, if anyone was offended by the My Farag stuff, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't I didn't intend for it to I didn't intend to condone like sexism or racism or anything like that. Like, it's this is not what we're about. Um, I just genuinely thought mechanically My Farag was very cool. Can we be candid here? I. I don't think I was on that episode. I don't, I haven't listened to it. So I don't really even know the subject matter of that episode. So I am um, a little out of it there. Yeah. Well, we, we won't get onto it here. Okay. Yeah. It's, spend it's that a bit time, of an aside. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that afterwards about <laughs> my differing opinions on my frog. Um, but, but it has just been very interesting. Like I, I haven't 
like it wasn't until later in my life because I started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was in high school. Um, and honestly, I got into high school a little bit earlier than a lot of people do um, because you ordinarily don't enter school until you're at least five years old. Yeah. Right. Well, my birthday is at the very, 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 very beginning of a school year. So I was four years old and would not be turning five until the school year had already started. And they were the school system was trying to say, like, no, he needs to wait another year. He's not supposed to be in school yet. And my mom being my mom uh, is like, it's like three weeks out. Just let my son fucking start school. <laughs> He's going to be five for the stinking year. Shut up. Um, so it, it was a little bit earlier than like maybe somebody kind of in my particular situation would have been. So like I was 13 when I started high school, uh, which is yeah, like people were that's people were actually weirded out by that. Like cause I, my first year I was an ROTC and there and like granted I was six foot three when I was 13 years old also. But you weren't 13 for long. You were 13 for like. Yeah, it was only weeks. a few weeks into into my high, my first year of high school. But it was it was really funny, like being an ROTC and they're like handing me this like fucking rifle to like run these drills with. <laughs> And this dude who is like a, a whole foot and a half shorter than me is like, God, like I threatened to kick people in the head, but like, you're just so tall. I'm going to have to ask you to bend over. Like how, how old are you, man? I was like 13. And he was like, you're 13. <laughs> he was just so mad that I was six foot three, Dylan, <laughs> like four years younger than he was. Dylan, I sprouted and shot up kind of early too, but you, you were six foot three at 13. Yeah. I, I grew to like over six feet when I was like, um, 12 years old. Like, I got real tall real quick. You had intimidation on your side, my friend. I'm sure you won a lot I of I did fights. not. I was a weird, goofy-looking, gangly shit. Oh, <laughs> and Zach had, can attest to this. You had that. Yeah, I, I was... I, I've always been a goofy-looking motherfucker. Um, and I, I am at peace with that now. I get, definitely got some pictures somewhere of, like, me holding... <laughs> this is another aside. We're getting really distracted from this one, but this always makes me laugh because I'll, I'll, like, dig through some old photographs sometimes. And there's a picture. My my stepdad growing up was, like, way into guns. Um, and he never kept anything loaded anywhere any of us could get. Like, he had a very secure safe where all the firearms were kept and ammunition was always kept separate from the firearms. It's so, like, even if we did somehow get into them, like, he was always very safe about it. But, like, he would be like, I got this new gun. Like, Dylan, you should check it out. And I would, like look at it and like handle a little, little bit. And, and he was like, I want to, I want to take this picture with you. So like this picture of me when I was like 13 or 14 years old, um, or maybe a little bit older than that, because I think it was after the divorce. But, um, when I was this weird gangly teenager and it was when I had first started growing out my hair and my hair gets really, really curly at the ends whenever it's like, especially when it's shaggy. So it's just me with like in a, a black trip hoodie with like the spiked studs in the hood and all that stuff. Um, with like kind of an emo style haircut where like the hair is covering one eye with my big goofy buck tooth gap smile, holding this gun that I just have no business holding. It's so funny. I'll have to dig that up. <laughs> this guy sounds like thinking Dan's old photos from, it, his yeah, it's faces. a very, it's very Aaron Hansen where he's got the katanas and he's like, Aaron. I could be your angle or your devil. <laughs> oh yeah, the Edge Lord era. <laughs> oh my goodness, I've got to dig that up for you, dude. I was such a fucking dork. But also, that, even though it's an aside, we can bring it back because that's kind of a part of Tolkien's influence. Is like on D and D, also on the people, the people who are fans of that stuff, and they would fall into their minds and their souls to 
They became nerds, man. They became dorks. Yeah, with a love yeah. for his his lore. That was such a weird time in my life because I remember it was three point five whenever I first started getting getting into D anD D, and the very first time I played D anD D was with Zach, and I had just bought this Dungeons and Dragons starter kit. It had like almost nothing in it except like a few like tiles to put down, a set of dice, and like a couple like very basic miniatures. And like a little like pamphlet that was like, here's some basic rules of Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I wanted to play a character. I didn't want to be the dungeon master. So I got Zach to come over and, and no, we are like 13, 14 years old. And like, I, I didn't explain shit to him. I was like, you're dungeon master. Here's the rule book. <laughs> it's like, run me through an adventure. <laughs> it's just goofy as hell. Um, and then not too long after that, um, in high school, we got in. Um, we got a teacher named Jonathan Lair. I love this man to death. The dude was my favorite teacher, hands down. Dude was just awesome. Uh, and he started a strategic gaming club. And for a while, it was stuff like Magic the Gathering was really prominent there. Um, and he had like some interesting board games, like stuff that was like meant to make you think. And then um, we kind of got into talks, and it was like we should play Dungeons and Dragons. And he was all for it. And we didn't get to do it very often. Uh, because Dungeons and Dragons is a very long form game and you only have so much time you can actually spend after school, especially since, you know, like we have stuff we're meant to do at home. He's a he's an adult. He's got a life outside of school. He needs to like go home to his family and stuff like that. But it was like very cool having a person who knew the rules of the game for one. <laughs> I wasn't just like thrusting a book into and like be like, here it go. Um <laughs> And like having that adventure planned out and like getting that time to be like that was my first ever character was Dr. Arm and getting to actually get <laughs> dude, Dr. Arm is he's a goofy motherfucker too. Do I sense uh, a little bit of a derivativeness from Doc Ock? No, it was based off of um there's a J pop group called Albatrossics, and <laughs> one of their members is Dr. Arm, and I was like, I love it. That's who I'm going to be. And so I just made the sorcerer named Dr. Arm. And I only made him a sorcerer because I didn't want to learn the wizardry mechanics. I just wanted to cast spells. Um, And like, I, I got to play that. And like, it really did like cement in my mind. Like I, I enjoy doing this and I want to play more Dungeons and Dragons. And I want to play more games like this. That's when I started getting into like Anima beyond fantasy. Um, uh, there was another game back. I think that was pretty close to when I first picked up like a mage, the awakening rule book. Like that may have been like just out of high school that I did that. Um, not even realizing that that was an expansion. And if I didn't know how to play world of darkness, I would not play mage, but it really did put that seed in my head of like, I really like these kind of games and I want to play them. And then like, like you said, yeah, it really is going to be like very effective to be like, if these are the kind of games that I like to play, that's really going to be the kind of literature I want to interact with as well. And that also came through. And like, even in middle school, I was like a huge fan of Aragon. Like Harry Potter was the big thing. And I read the first few Harry Potter books and I, I Harry Potter's, excuse me, Harry Potter's okay. I I don't think they're bad per se. I just really think they're not for me. Yeah. Cause like, even as like dark and brooding as some of the later books get is it's all about kind of being whimsical. And like, there's really not a whole lot of rules to the way anything happens. So it, it just kind of feels like a lot of that series is like author fiat without really making anything make sense. I think. Um, whereas Aragon and the Inheritance Cycle had like solid rules to magic and the way the world works. Like he didn't do it as well as Tolkien, but you could tell like Paolini, he talked about how Tolkien was a big influence on him. And the way that he kind of 
wrote out his world and at least a basic history for it before he even started writing the book itself. And that really comes through. And that that kind of style of like having a world built up for your players to then interact with has been like a mainstay for me. Like I will build so many of these events and things that are meant to be part of the world and events that are supposed to happen in the game as the players interact with him that they'll never even fucking get to because they won't have any interest to it. But like that part of the world building process is very fun to me and the way that Tolkien has influenced prioritizing building a world for them to interact with and then letting the players interact with it is it's one of my favorite styles of GMing. So to some degree, it certainly is a, a bit self-indulgent. It is. Uh, it definitely, a lot of that also comes from the fact that like I've had, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was real young. Um, and I was kind of back and forth on that for a while about like whether or not I actually had it. Because of course at the time it was like ADHD is the, the buzzword. Like kids have ADHD from television and video games. And to some extent, like, you know, some kids, they do have it, but also children are fucking children. Of course they're hyperactive. They're children. God damn. Um, and so like there, there was a point where it's like, do I even actually have this? Or was it just like the doctor wanted to give me this medication or whatever? It's like, and at this point, like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've got it. <laughs> and definitely like, one of the things I would do is instead of doing any kind of schoolwork is I would just kind of, anytime I would get bored, just retreat into my own head and build these entire fantasy worlds. And especially being little baby Dylan, I wasn't, making anything even remotely good, but that I would prefer to just like build up a world in my head and then put a character in it and then interact with that world and just daydream for hours on end instead of doing any kind of schoolwork. I was a terrible student. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I love that kind of world building for that reason. Where do you have any authors? Do you think that have kind of influenced kind of the way that you, you play games or the kind of characters you make? Cause I like a lot of the characters I've seen you play have been very solidly based on like, pop culture characters that you really enjoy kind of and more original characters that i've made have kind of gone by the wayside like those campaigns just fizzled out before they happened and it's kind of a bummer but the characters are still there they exist they're just not being used um but authors that influence them i don't know um okay i've read i am legend by uh, i don't remember the guy's name I think it's Matheson is the last name. Richard uh, Matheson. I've only ever seen the movie. Dude, the book. You might want to check it out at some point. It's very radically different. Um, Also, Tolkien. I'm a fan, of course. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Love that guy's work. But, um... Oh, this isn't... Okay, this is more... Uh, I don't know if I would call it sci-fi quite so strictly. More like sci theory sci-fi theory side ideas i don't know uh philip k dick's androids do androids dream of electric sheep the book that blade runner was uh was based off essentially i mean it's also kind of like an early cyberpunk kind of thing yeah but the book and the movie again those two are so different i I haven't read or seen either so i don't know what it's about i recommend it it's i mean you could feel where like the roots of the matrix came from in that i think mm. it's a bit of a mind fuck, you know like it, it's some weird weird shit but it's so fascinating it'll suck you right in yeah that's like another genre like i don't think about but like yeah like cyberpunk has especially with the release of cyberpunk 2077 um 
it, it's kind of like big in the public eye. And there's a lot that's gone into that because especially whenever you start mixing genres where I really like, um, oh, Shadowrun. Yeah, I really like Shadowrun on concept where you get those cyberpunk, ele- cyberpunk elements where you're like running through the streets, gunning down thugs and like hacking into cybersecurity firms and like stealing people's data and stuff like but you're like an elf. You're an elf doing that. And like your enforcer buddy is a dwarf and he's got like a war hammer, but the war hammer has like a magnetic field generator in it that lets it pack more of like, and those kind of mixing of genres are, that's also very cool to me. I just wish Shadowrun was good and made by good people. Have you played the games by any chance? Like video games? I've not played the video games. Um, I did try and play um, the newest edition of the Shadowrun tabletop. And I, I love the setting. I think the setting is dope. Uh, but the, the mechanics are very poorly done. And from what I've heard, like they contracted a lot of freelance writers to help a lot of help a lot with that. And then when it, whenever it was finished, they just didn't pay them. Oh. Uh, and they really just like screwed a lot of people over. And it's like, no, I regret buying this book now because I've given money to a company that doesn't deserve it. You didn't know that at time. That is a dick move. I didn't, but like, that's, ugh. Ugh. And at that point, it's like, no wonder your system's bad if you're outsourcing to, like, you know, that, that was just a bad time all around, like, learning about that stuff. But, like, those kinds of mixing of genres is also very cool. And, like, the movie Bright, a lot of people shit on that movie, but I really enjoyed it. And it, it maybe just because I'm very easy to please, but, like, I thought it was really cool having, like, elves and orcs but in kind of like a modern day like chicago style setting i haven't seen it yet i do kind of want to see it though Uh, it's on netflix i honestly had a good time with it like they they talk about how like in that world's history they did have the dark lord who wrote who raised an army of orcs and tried to conquer the world and he was struck down by the great hero and now like people kind of look down on orcs and like it's a lot of like commentary on like racism and stuff like that. Like it's, it's very heavy handed in those kind of ways, but like it's still very interesting to see those very heavy fantasy elements, but then applied to like Will Smith as a beat cop Mm -hmm. in that movie. I I just think that's, that's a very fun idea. Even if people don't necessarily like the execution a whole, well, a whole hell of a lot. Like I, I just very much thought that the setting was very fun. It's very cool. Like mixed genres like that. That was very interesting. To me, it's kind of like, I wouldn't call it a spiritual, you know, follow-up or anything like that, but spiritually similar to, like, say, the Men in Black, where you got this guy who's, you know, the B-cop, and he's thrown into this crazy world, but instead of aliens this time, you get, like, crazy fantasy. Um, I wouldn't quite compare it, because it's not like, you know, the aliens are, like, a secret, you know? They're hidden from the rest of the world, and it's the Men in Black's um, duty to, like, not only prevent humanity from realizing that there are aliens amongst them but like also they're kind of like the liaison to the rest of like intergalactic species and stuff whereas in what so it's not like that no in bright it's like literally like these these fantasy elements are just part of the world they're just the the everyday the commonplace like there's a an elven district because the elves are like the highborn and they're all like rich and very fashionable and like they're they're like the one percenters of that world uh, and the the in the beginning of the movie his new partner after his old partner got shot um his new partner is an orc and there's like this whole thing where like he's an unblooded orc where like he hasn't proven himself in combat so the other orcs look down on him and um 
he struggles, you know, interacting with orcs at all because it was an orc who had killed his uh, partner, that kind of thing. So like it, like, again, it really goes like really heavy handed on like racism is bad, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, like one of the first scenes in the movie is they're like, hey, we need you to go take like I asked you to take care of that fairy that's been stealing food from the bird feeder. Could you please handle that? <laughs> or I'm going to call an exterminator. And so he goes outside with a broom and like smacks this fairy down <laughs> out of his bird feeder and kills it. Wow. <laughs> okay but it's interesting like in that elves are highborn and whatnot living with the rich and whatnot that's an interesting parallel to say dragon age where the elves are slumming it they're just getting shat on all oh, over yeah, the society that's really cool so yeah that's another thing like you definitely get like a lot of writers who will take these like even whenever you get like the the elven like the way that they've been changed by Tolkien's influence on things like elves aren't like these little mischievous spirits. They're these very regal pointy eared um, kind of tall, graceful humanoids. And, and you get that. And then you've got games like Dragon Age and you've got games like the Elder Scrolls where there are elves who are very much looked down on simply because they're not human, even though they are still meant to be kind of this graceful, like connected to the forest, um, holier than thou kind of species. But because they're not human and humans are the dominant species, they, they get treated like garbage. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the subversion of expectation. I think that's really where I've been going with all, this whole thing. Yeah. And that whole downtrodden plight kind of also takes my brain over to like how mutants are portrayed in X-Men. I know that's a bit more of a divergence, so I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> X-Men's. X-Men gets wild for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is this Marvel comics. I don't really think they know what they're doing week to week. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's, it's just very cool. Like even that, like the, the influence of like comic books, you've got now tabletop RPGs where you're meant to be superheroes and you can kind of build power sets that are very similar to your favorites. So you can like play as somebody who's very much like the green lantern or like Luke Cage or like ghost rider. Yeah, it's really went from like Tolkien specific influence on tabletop to like the influence of popular media on tabletop, which is something we had covered previously. But like, it's very interesting to come back to this. The fact that it can all circle around like that. Yeah, because like even because like Tolkien, even at the time was it was pop culture by definition because his stuff it, like it's just been so influential like you can go back and read some of the old like superman comics and you can see how much they still influence like superheroes to this day and you can go back and you can read like the hobbit or um the lord of the rings and kind of see like where those influences are and like how they how they come out on the tabletop these days because he wrote this book that was incredibly popular and well written i even think like just like smaug like the I don't like dragons have always been meant to be like this greedy kind of horde creature. And that even goes all the way back to like Norse mythology where Fafnir was basically an incarnation of greed. And he wasn't necessarily a dragon. I think he was just like a serpent or like close to like a lindworm or something like that. But like he's commonly portrayed as a dragon, especially in the popular media these days. And like seeing like how the dragon being the greedy creature, having this horde of gold and kind of being like the ultimate challenge for an adventurer or a group of adventurers is to slay a dragon and take its horde. You see a lot of that coming through to like not just be let's see big numbers come through, but like really to like make a narrative. And I really think that's what Tolkien's lasting influence on tabletop has been. It has been the the influence and the impetus to not just be a character and do the challenge, but to make a narrative to fit that, to give them 
a motivation to give the characters in the world that they're in life so that you're not going after the dragon simply because it's the next goal to prove that you're a great adventurer, but because it's what your character would do and what the world needs. And I think that's a lot more engaging at the end of the day. The linking up of motivation, fleshing out the characters and why they would seek to do this thing within, you know, their own minds, their own reasoning. And there have definitely been some other great fantasy authors. Um, I especially want to say like R.A. Salvatore, um, who has written a lot of books like in the uh, Forgotten Realm setting for Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, it's definitely going to influence a lot of things. Like people love Drista Orden. Can't say they don't because they absolutely do. Um, and you've got like a lot of these very cool and influential fantasy books and writers and stuff. But I really think Tolkien is what set a lot of that off. Cause like so much of these, even people who are writing fantasy novels in these settings for tabletop games are going to say Tolkien was a big influence. Like even to this day, that book came out decades ago and people are still picking it up and reading it for the first time and being absolutely blown away. And that's, it's fucking awesome, dude. Admittedly kind of feel bad. Read The Hobbit multiple times, but I've only read part of Fellowship of the Ring. It's definitely worth getting through. It can be a slog. Do not get me wrong. I fully understand that it can be hard to read, but it's definitely worth getting through it. Well, I also want to run through the rest of Silmarillion. I started it, and it's fascinating. That whole scene where that world comes from. How it gets yeah, like how the how the world was created and like the old gods and the angels and stuff. Yeah, yeah. like it's really it's really cool to see how he <clears throat> put so much thought into that world before he ever set a character down and said, "Here's where we're going." Absolutely fascinating. But we've actually gone over our time for this week. I've enjoyed this conversation. Um, do you have any final thoughts there, Word? Anything you want to say? Keep living the fantasy. Keep making the dream reality. Good shit. Positive affirmation. I like it. Now, we are gonna. Uh, I was going to say we're going to roll that d20. No, we got to plug socials. Word. We're going to plug them socials. Facebook.com slash d20dudes. Twitter.com slash d20dudes or at d20dudes on Twitter. If you want to hit us up, suggest new episodes, have a chat with us, whatever. Um, and if you want to join our Discord, it is open to everybody. There's a public link down in the description. Join our Discord. We would love to, to just chat with you there. And we're going to roll that beautiful d20 and see what next week's episode is going to be about yeah. roll that uh, if i can ever finish. get one roll that doesn't fall off the dang table nope it's gotta fall off the table or else it's not real oh boy <laughs> lay it on me big brother i've got a whole ass book to read before next week because word it is number 17 and it is the system girl by moonlight it sounds which like isn't some... out yet that sounds like some some weeaboo stuff. It very much is. It's not out yet. <laughs> is it like the game is it's in like an early playtest kind of phase. It is in the Forged in the Dark system. Like so it is like Blades in the Dark or Band of Blades that we've talked before in kind of its core system. But Girl by Moonlight is about three different primary settings of magical girls. I was waiting for something. In a magical. very Yeah, it's magical girls in a grim dark setting. <laughs> <laughs> Sailor Moon meets Chainsaw guns. This would be like uh, Madoka Magica or something like that. Or, um, oh, what's the one I really like? Uh, Yuki Yuna is a hero. Or it's like they're magical girls, but like they're magical girls in a way it's like really fucked up. Yeah, Have you seen Yuki Yuna as a hero? No. Anime, I take Dude, it? It's an anime. It's fucking fantastic. It's about magical girls who um, end up finding out that like 
they think that they're just magical girls guarding Japan, and then they find out like the rest of the world has been destroyed for centuries, Ooh. and everyone's just been lying to them that it's still like in the two thousands in Japan. Ooh, that's and, and they're like protecting the remaining world. Dude, that's like the Matrix. It's fucking crazy, dude. And like, it's like they're at one point, like one of them tries to kill themselves and find out that they can't like their, their magical girl shit, like prevents them from dying. Like they're forced into servitude with it. Like, dude, it's so dark. Absolutely love it. You need to watch it. sounds awesome. Yuki Yuna. It's so good. Yuki Yuna is a hero. Yuki Yuna is a hero. Okay. How many episodes? Do you know? Uh, It's like 12 or 13. It's not super long. Okay. It's a shorty. Um, But yeah, the book, the book that you got to read. How can you read it if yeah. the thing is not published? The, the game I have one. I have the early playtest set. Oh. I I tunneled through the internet to find it, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. We may skip next week, um, because my days off may be a little bit chaotic and stuff. You know, like with Sunday being Christmas. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of holiday stuff going on, so right. we may we may skip next week. So I may have two weeks to read this. Uh, yeah, we'll see yeah, how that cool. goes. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about Girl by Moonlight next week. So thank you everyone for listening, and uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye bye. Bye bye.